0: Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Hey, great to see everybody this morning. If I have not had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Samuel. I'm your friend. Look forward to getting to know you a little bit better. We're in a series this week Called DIY. In fact, we're wrapping up this week, and Becca will be speaking next week for Mother's Day. But DIY, breaking things down to simple habits and decisions. I don't know if you've ever tried to or gotten into a DIY project where you needed help and you had to watch a YouTube video or two or call somebody, but you just get a little bit of help, and it's amazing what you can do. And really, that's my prayer through this series: is that you don't leave things to the experts. That you're like, no, God. God You do what God's created you to do. You realize what he's empowered you to do, and you step into it instead of just kind of holding back. You're like, no, I'm going to do this. And with God's help, you realize what all you can do. And we, we talked about week one. We said, don't stop. And we read Philippians 1-6. six. You know, any project ends when you stop and you can fail just by stopping. But Philippians 1.6 says, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue the work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. So he's still working. Don't stop. Don't give up. Hold on. And then we talked about week number two. We said help is a good thing, but here's the deal. God wants to help you. God wants to help you. Psalms 37 says that the Lord directs the steps of the godly. It's not just run to him in times of trouble, but it's like, God, I need you right now. It's steps. It's like, what can I do? He wants to help you. And then last week, we talked about teachability. And really, we said, teachability equals usability in the kingdom of God, that if we're willing to be teachable, that God will use us and can use us. Proverbs 3.12 says, the Lord corrects those that he loves. And I've been using this, this series kind of as an excuse to tell some of my uh, my DIY stories, like most some of my fails in that. And I was talking with, with Jason this week, and he's like, I used to think you knew stuff. And now I'm just like, he just fumbles his way around. He has no idea what he's doing. And I'm like, well, that's how everybody learns. Like that's, and that's part of the idea of me sharing these stories is I think too often we think, Somebody else possesses knowledge or, or a gifting or talent that I don't have, and that's why they're able to do something, and I cannot do it. But let me just say, in the kingdom of God, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Not just, oh, the special one or that person over there, or the person behind you, or that prayer warrior person thing. No, it's you. God, Christ who strengthens you. That you would be like, hey, I can do this. I've got this. I can do it. But let me just let me ask, am I the only one that when I go to do a project around the house that it just kind of like grows and grows and grows. Like we had a a tile in our kitchen that cracked and I installed the tile. Like I bought the house like right out of college. I was like, I'll just buy it and flip it. Like I won't live in it very long. Well, I'm still there. It's like 19 years later, right? So the tile snapped and I'm like, well, I got it from Home Depot. So maybe I can go find it. I'll just replace this one tile. We go look at Home Depot and guess what? They do not have that tile anymore. They don't sell it. And, and somehow I had written down the name and, and the tile, to the manufacturer, and all that. So I start looking for this tile online. I'm like, well, I got to find it somewhere. And all I find is threads of other people trying to find the same tile. There's a guy, he's like, I'll give you a hundred bucks. I just need one piece, please. And I'm like, I should sell off my floor. Just take these back out. I'm like, maybe that's what we should do. I don't know. But we start with the tile, and then we're like, well, if we can't if we have to redo the tile because we can't fix the tile, then we might as well, like, maybe put some wood down instead. And, you know, right now the tile is only in the dining room and in the kitchen, but if we're going to put down wood, you know, it would make sense to just do all wood through the whole main floor. And th- nobody, this has never happened to anybody else. And then you're looking and you're like, well, if we have to redo the tile, if we put floor, you know, wood down, there's going to be a gap between where the trim is and the wood floor that's not as tall as the tile was, so we're going to have to redo the trim, and if we're going to have to redo the trim in this area, we don't like the trim that much in the house, so we can redo the rest of the trim. I'm like, ah! It just cascades, and just keeps going and going and going. And it's, it's, I call it the domino effect, where you just get started with one thing, and it's just like, okay, well, if that needs redone, let's redo this, and you should probably do that. Same thing, you go to the mechanic shop and you go in for something simple, and they're like, well, the water pump needs replacing, but then why we're in there, we should probably, and they list off $9,000 worth of things that they should do while they're in there. And it, it's just, it just cascades, and I, I do, I call it the domino effect, where it's just one thing hits another, which hits another, and hits another. And honestly, I don't think that we value the domino effect very much. I think it's really easy for us to look at finished products, to look at the YouTube videos, to see the clips and the things that people put out, and you're like, oh, it's the, it's, it's the athlete that can, they, they can't even miss. But really, it's just, they're at their prime, and we don't see the hours of work, the things that it took, the time, the people that sacrificed to give them the practice, to allow them to do all these things that led up to that moment the dominoes that needed to be perfectly aligned and fall one by one that allowed that moment to happen. We like the highlight. We like the ending. And it it seems like we don't really put much value on the steps, the impact, the people that it took to get it there. But the truth is this, that God doesn't miss it. And that God puts a big value on it, actually. He puts a really big value on it. You Michael and Chrissy were just up here talking about Guatemala and what you're doing down there. And those aren't just fancy words. It's it's true. There's actually a biblical principle about this. And we see it in the nation of Israel. Now, Israel, when we look at Israel in the Bible, Israel was meant to be a beacon, a light, so to speak, that all the nations of the world would look at Israel, the way that it was run, the way that it was blessed, and that they would copy it, that they would say, Wow, what's different about Israel? Israel would say, Our God. And it got to be glorified through it. It was to be a light to the whole world. So when we look at Israel, we pay special attention to what God had commanded them to do in different things. And what we see in 2 Samuel in Israel is we see David, who was the second king of Israel, had just gone out. They'd gone out raiding, and so he and the army had been gone, and when they came back, they got home, and while they were gone, an enemy had come in and raided them, but without them there, everybody else was left defenseless, nobody's there, so the Bible says they come back, and all their livestock, all of their money, all their kids, their wives, everybody's gone. They've all been taken captive. And the first thing that happens is everybody's just like sad. Just, 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 where, where is everything? Everything's gone. Oh no, they cry, they weep. And then finally David's like, okay, that's it. We're going, let's, we're going to hunt these guys down. We're going to get back our families. Let's go. But the Bible says that 200 men were just too exhausted from the battles that they'd been raging and now just weeping and crying over their families being gone. They say, we cannot go. So David and his men, they go out. And they catch up with these guys. They catch up with the raiders who had come and attacked them. And they defeat them. So they get back all of their families. But these these other raiders, they had not just been, they didn't just come and attack the Israelites. They'd been going all over the place. And so they get tons and tons and tons of plunder, tons of stuff that wasn't even theirs. They get it all back. And they come back. And when they get back, 1 Samuel 30, verse 21, The David returned to the brook, and met up with the 200 men who'd been left behind because they were exhausted. So they went out to meet David and his men and they they greeted them joyfully. But some evil troublemakers, some troublemakers, there's there's a reason they're troublemakers. This isn't just random. Some evil troublemakers among David's men said, they didn't go out with us so they can't have any of the plunder that we recovered. Basically, they're like, hey, we went out, we did the hard work while they stayed here. So they don't get Give them, they say this, give them their wives, give them their family back, but they don't get the plunder because they didn't do the part that we did. Verse 23, but David said to them, no, my brothers, don't be selfish with what the Lord has given us. He has kept us safe and helped us defeat this band of raiders that attacked us. Who will listen when you talk like this? We share and share alike those who go to the battle and those who guard the equipment. And from then on, David made this a decree and regulation through all of Israel. It had already been a thing that they did. The nation of Israel before, David, again, is the second king. There was King Saul, and then there was King David. But before that, God led the nation of Israel through prophets. He would speak through the prophets, and the prophets would would tell the nation of Israel what God was telling them to do. And so this idea that those who stay This idea that those who stay with the families, those who stay with the supplies and allow others to go out, the share is the same. That was already established, but David becomes king and some people are like, hey, they didn't go with us. We did all the hard work. They shouldn't get it. And David's like, not a chance. So he makes a law. Here's the decree. I'm king. I can do it. We're going to remove any gray from this. And this is a biblical, this is a spiritual principle that affects you and me today this isn't just Israel, this is for you, this is for me today, this isn't something far off in any way, shape, or form. See, when we become Christians, we don't just, okay, now I'm going to go to heaven. Yes, absolutely, but here's what, you may not have known this, but you joined a kingdom. You join a kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. John the Baptist is talking about Jesus coming, and he says in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 3, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's a kingdom. Jesus comes back and he says over and over and over again, the kingdom of heaven is here. We join a kingdom and in this this kingdom, there is a law and that law is this. Those that we send, we participate in, the Bible says our reward is the same as those that go. Our reward is the same as those that go. I I think of it like I think of dominoes. If I have a train of dominoes and I line them up and I take one out, it doesn't matter how long that train is. If I take the one out here, two or three in, it stops. Tip, tip, stop. But you put that back in and do the same thing and it just keeps going and going and going. God looks and he sees what we do. The difference that we make, we can make such a difference when we do our part, when we do our part. Matthew ten forty says it like this, anyone who welcomes me, this is Jesus talking, he says, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, talking about God. Verse 41, whoever welcomes a prophet receives a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person receives a righteous person a righteous person's reward. We partner with those that we help. We partner with them. Literally, you might not know this, but you're a missionary through Michael and Chrissy. I'm not adding to that verse. I'm just applying it differently when I say, when you help a missionary, you receive a missionary's reward. It's the same thing. We partner together, and together we build the kingdom of God. And it's the impact. I think we often, we undervalue the little things that it takes, those that stay home, those that aren't in the limelight, those that don't, we don't hear about. But there's an army of people, and I think we're in such a great example of this. Because we're in Alas de Agua, Life West, this is not our building, but we've been welcomed into it. But this building that you and I are in, somebody else paid for it. I didn't pay for it. Maybe some of you, you've been around and you're like, no, I was a part of something years ago that did it, or, but probably not. Chances are none of us paid for this. The seat that you're in, somebody else sacrificed so that you could sit comfortably and not be like, this guy needs to stop talking. Somebody else sacrificed so that you could do that. They're a part of the downline. You and I, i will probably, we'll probably never know all the people that it took so that we could be sitting here right now. But God does. God sees it. God sees every part of that. Somebody else was here this morning and they were rearranging and organizing and making sure that it looked nice. And somebody else was cleaning and other people were praying over every seat and other people were praying over you all week long and other people were praying for this exact moment right now. And us, we, we, we don't see all of it, but God sees every little bit of it. In fact, Jesus says, if you give even a cup of cold water To a little child in my name, he says, you will surely not lose your reward. Something as simple as giving somebody a cup of water. God wants us to remember that. And I want you to to know that so that you don't think what I bring isn't important or it's not a big deal or God might use them, but how could he use me or what difference could I make? What difference could I make? Because you have a part to play. 1 Corinthians 3, 5. The church, there were different, different leaders going out and preaching. And as they were leading people to Christ, people began to follow them instead of Christ. And being like, well, I don't, I don't know about you, but I I follow this guy, Apollos. And, and here's what happened: 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. What then is Apollos? What then is Paul? They're servants through whom you believed. He's like, that's it. That's what they are. They're people who led you to Jesus. But as the Lord has assigned to each his role, you have a role too, by the way. Verse six, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but it's God who made it grow. So neither who plants nor he who is water is anything but God who makes it grow. He who plants, he who gathers and waters are one in purpose and each will be rewarded according to his labor but for we are God's fellow workers you are his, are his field God is building God is building but he uses us he uses he uses people to do it now how many of you have a Bible raise your hand if you have a Bible okay I think that's pretty much everybody in here if you don't and you need one either download it online or ask me I'll get you one not a problem get a Bible it's easy to get we can get all kinds of translations. You could look at the message translation. You could look at the woman, I mean, the amplified translation. I call it the woman translation because they say the same thing, but they use 10 times the words. It's just, it's just, it's just if you want to know exactly what it is, the verse that was this big, then the amplified is this big. I'm so serious. It's hilarious. But it, you, you could read that translation. You can go to the NIV. You can go New King James. You could go these thousand thus, and you can go King James. We've got options. We've got lots of options. You can download it. Your Bible can read it too. Your phone can read you the Bible. There's a hundred different ways that you can get the Bible. But that was not always the case. In fact, in the 1500s, there was not a Bible in print in English. It was Latin. There was some Greek. There was some Hebrew. And the clergy of the time would read it in Latin and they'd read it out loud in Latin and then tell you what it said. Nobody could read the Bible for themselves. You couldn't just be like, well, I need my daily time with God. I'm going to open that up. You couldn't do that unless you spoke Latin, Greek, or Hebrew. And if it was Greek or Hebrew, you're having to go find a copy of the original translation that you could then read. It was not easy. But God laid it on the heart of a new man named William Tyndale. He was like, people need to be able to read the Bible for themselves. And, and the church at the time, many of the church leaders are like, no, they don't. They'll get it wrong. They'll mess it up. They do not need this. Well, William Tyndale, in fact, he's arguing with a cleric about it. And he looks at the cleric and he says, if God allows me to live long enough, he says, I will see the day that the boy plowing the field knows more scripture than you do. And the guy just, there's this huge argument. William Tyndale says, I'm going to do it. And he does. He translates the Bible from Greek and Hebrew And he translates it into the English language. And he did it, and he was rewarded by being burned at the stake as a martyr. He died at 42 years old for doing it. The church called him a heretic and said, you you and I did not and should not have had the Bible. He did it. But not only did he do it, but when he did it, the printing press had really just begun. And so, Now, he didn't just make one copy of the Bible, but they printed hundreds and hundreds of, and they just sent Bibles all over the place, all over the place. That's William Tyndale. Amazing what he did. You and I have the Bible that we do because of what he did. In fact, the new King James version of the Bible, when that was, when King James says, I want this all done, guess what? About 90% of what William Tyndale did was just plugged right in. They're like, yeah, we can't find anything that contradicts it in any way, shape, or form, or other manuscripts, what he did. And part of what makes that so amazing is the church at the time was hunting William Tyndale down. Again, he was martyred for what he did, but he was able to get it done before they got to him. And so we hear his story and you think, wow, that's amazing. But William Tyndale had a friend. And man, is it important who your friends are. He had a friend, and his, friend, his friend's name was Humphrey Mamouth, Manmuth. I might be saying a little bit wrong. But Humphrey Mamouth was a, a wealthy merchant. And when William Tyndale went to do this, he had to go into hiding. And so his friend Monmouth was like, okay, come, I'll hide you in one of my houses. And not only that, but I'll pay your room, I'll pay your board, I'll pay you a salary so that you can keep working and so that you can do this, and hid him for six months so that he could do this. Well, then pressure, the church is hunting for William Tyndale. They're hunting for him. So finally he has to leave and he has to flee to Europe. Well, Mamouth had introduced him to some of his friends. And by his friends, these, these, these friends called themselves the secret society of Christian brethren. And they were other merchants that were Christians. And when William Tyndale left, that group of merchants said, you go do what God called you to do, we'll pay you. And they paid him, they paid his expenses, and they gave him investment money to actually print the Bibles themselves. And that's how he was able to flee, have the finances to go do it, and then these merchants would send money out and then smuggle Bibles in. And that's literally how they did it. William Tyndale's the one that we see and we hear about, and you can read and you can find his story so easily. But would that have ever have happened without his friend, Mimouf? I'd dare say no. It may not have. We might still be in the dark ages today with Bible only in Latin, and you can't read it. No. And that's just one piece you know, as, as I think of dominoes, William Tyndale, and then you've got another one, you've got his, his friend Mammoth, but then you've got more of them, you've got the, the friends that he introduced them to, and you've got more and more. So often we don't connect it, but understand this, the things that you do, God makes those connections. God sees it. And you might think, oh, it's so small, it's not significant, it's not a big deal. Let me just tell you, it is. You have a part to play. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. It's not just get saved, wait until you die, one day you go to heaven. No, God's got a mission for you right now, for you. He's got stuff for you to do, and you think, oh, well, how big of a deal is it? I don't know, but who knows how much farther down. If you you make this choice, if you do it, if you step out in faith and you you say that and you you encourage that person or you offer to pray for that person or you go and you adopt that child, whatever it is that God's laid on your heart to do, you do, who knows what's going to happen down the road? We don't know, but God does. And he says, I see it. God says, I see it. The cup of water to a little child, he says, I see it. And saying that in that day, where children were not important, would mean so much more to the crowd that he spoke to. Instead of here where we, where we value children so much. God's saying, even a cup of of water. All of it, all of it makes a difference. But here's the thing, never think that what you're bringing isn't important and that God can't use it, or that this isn't a big deal. Because to God, it is. Little things mean so much, and you never know what it's going to mean. The church I attended when I was in Bible college, uh, one of the greeters shared a story, and it was this. He, he, He was greeting at the church, and a gentleman came in, and when he came in, he just said, it's good to see you today, and shook his hand. And when he said that, the guy that was walking in just starts bawling. And the greeter's like, awkward, like, what do I do? Oh, my goodness. So the greeter just pulls off to the side, finds somebody else, asks somebody else, just, hey, I, I cover, this, cover my spot for me, and begins to talk with this guy. And this guy's just bawling, and the guy says this. He goes, you're the first person who said that they're glad to see me in a really long time. It was just words. But what it spoke to that guy changed his entire life. Because the greeter says, I tell you what, who are you here with? And the guy's like, I'm here by myself. He says, come with me. And the greeter abandoned their post and went in and just sat with this person in service. Said, come on and let's just go sit down together. And they sat through the service. And at the end of the service, an altar call was given. And that man stood up, raised his hand, said, that's me. Gave his life to God and then talked to that that greeter later, and this is what he said. He said, "I I was done. He says, I was driving by the church on my way to end my life. He says, I was done. And I thought, okay, I'll give God one last chance. He said, but when I walked in and you said you were glad to see me, he said, everything in me just broke down. It was simple words. But what it spoke to that man was something that I don't think words could ever express. God can use us. God can use you. What you have is not too small. When we give it to God, it's not insignificant in any way. You might look at the need of those around you, look at your workplace and think, what difference can I make? Look at your family and say, what I, where I'm from is so messed up, how could I do anything in that? And let me just say, when you give it to God, you can do it. When we give it to God and he blesses it, the difference, it, no, you can't do it on your own and neither can I, but together when we give it to God, it's so much. He can do so much, so much with it, so much with it. Jesus was teaching, and the Bible says that there's this vast crowd that had been following him all day long, somewhere around 5,000 men plus women and children are out there. And The disciples come to Jesus and they say this, the disciples say, send them away so that they can get some food. And Jesus answered him is like you feed them. And the disciples are like it would take half a year's wages just to just for everybody to have a bite for these guys to eat. like what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do with all of these all of these people? And then Philip answered this is John chapter 6 verse 7. Philip answered Jesus And says this, it would take more than half of a year's wages to buy enough bread for them. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will this go among so many? And the answer is in the natural, nowhere. But he gave it to God, God blessed it, and they fed the 5,000 and there was leftover. There was 12 baskets full that they gathered at the end. What you have, it's not too early, it's not too late, it's not too big, it's not too small, it's just right. When we give it to God, we can make a difference. We can have incredible impact. Please do not wait for the big thing that you can do to think, what I'm giving isn't enough or it's not important. No, it's all important. Every bit of it is, is important and God needs it. Every bit of it is important. If you call Life West home, we need you. We need you to be a part, not just to come in, but we have more people to reach and more people to tell. We need you to be a part. Get in that growth track. Sign up on the dream team and say, what can I do? And you're like, maybe, maybe it's in the parking lot or you want to be up front or you're like, I just want to hide somewhere in the back and just help things or make things be clean. I don't know what it is, but we need what you have. But let me tell you who else does. It's not just us, and it's not just here. It's your work, it's your family, it's your neighbors. It's the cashier that you see on a regular basis. It's every one of them. You have a part to play. It's not insignificant. It could be the tipping point, the very thing that that person needs. Let me encourage you, whatever it is, do it. Do it. Because when we give it to God... It's the exact amount. It fits perfectly. It's the words that they needed to be encouraged to take the next step. Jesus says, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. You're not just here waiting to go to heaven, hoping you have enough money to retire and then just die and go to heaven. No, no. God's got a plan and a purpose for you and you get to make a difference in the world around you. But it starts with a relationship with him. So let me just ask, if you're here this morning, you don't know where you stand with God, you can leave no one beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with him. It's not wondering. It's not a matter of, well, did I do enough religious things? No, it's a relationship with Jesus. Jesus paid the price. And if you'll receive it, you can be forgiven, set free, and begin to walk out that plan, that purpose that he has for you because he's got one. You're not here by accident. The gifts, the talents that you have, the times that we live in, We look around I hear people saying things like, it's so dark and oh, the church is this and it's irrelevant, people aren't going and are they gonna be, no, not at all. I think the opposite. I think the darker it is, the easier it is to see the light and we get to shine brighter and brighter. We stand out more and more because as the world falls away and we draw closer to God, they see us as different. We no longer blend in with others who are pseudo-Christians just because of the way that they act. We look and we are different. We're not depressed. We're not, oh, no, this this is bad. No. I've got the joy of the Lord, and it is my strength. And we're moving forward. We're building the kingdom of God. God wants to use you. But if you're here, you say, I don't have a relationship with God. I don't want to assume that just because you're here, you do. Maybe you're just watching online, but here's what I'd ask. Would everybody just bow your heads and close your eyes. Before we dismiss, if you're here, maybe you're online, you say, you know what? I don't know where I stand with God. I want to know. I don't want to just do religious things. I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free. If that's you, then right in your seat. I'd love to lead you in a prayer. And we say amen. You can know right where you stand with God and begin to walk out that relationship with Him. Fulfill the purpose that He puts you here for. I thought you get ready to lift your hand up high. Here we go. In online, in this room, wherever you are. Let's go. One, two, three. Lift it high and say, That's me. And today is my day. I'm giving my heart to him. Okay, put those hands down. Here's what I want you to do. In this room, online, I want you to repeat after me, but if you raised your hand as you say these words, make them your own. Say them from your heart. And when we say amen, you know your sins are forgiven, set free from your past, on your way to heaven and begin to walk out the plan and purpose that God has for you. Let's pray. Everybody out loud, just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for forgiving me, set me free, thank you for dying, for paying the price that I couldn't so I could be free, from now on I choose you, I'm yours, with all that I am, I choose to follow you, in Jesus name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.